What's up? What's up? What's up, Florian family? Welcome to the huddle. Come at you every Tuesday to discuss maintaining forward progress in your flooring career. Every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Central. Join us uh, Facebook, uh, YouTube, however you like to consume. Please consider like, subscribing, commenting. Uh, you know, commenting, let us know what you're thinking and questions you may have, and we'll We'll uh, incorporate that into uh, this podcast. So with me, as always, Mr. Daniel and Jose Gonzalez from Preferred Florida, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And every time we start, I'm always looking down because I'm sharing it to groups right now. <laughs> I was going to say that everybody thinks he's probably always ignoring you the first couple minutes. No, he's just uh, piping us into the interwebs. All right. Well, today is um, a bittersweet. This whole series is somewhat of a bittersweet kind of uh, subject line. It's it's uh, pay applications and uh, uh, well, it's really about whether or not you you know giving you some information on uh, whether or not you want to actually become a commercial flooring contractor, but. Uh, uh, this this episode is on pay applications and payments. So we all like to get paid, uh, but in the uh, commercial construction world, it's a process. Let me put it that way. So just to introduce construction accounting and and what what you have to do. Uh, there's two main forms. One's called a G702. The other is a G703. The G702 is a pay application. And the G703 is the schedule of values. We'll start with G702. Um, it's an application for payment. Okay. So remember that application, not an invoice. Okay. That means that it can be denied or changed because you're applying for, for payment. Um, it's uh, design, its whole design, it was done to show the total less, uh, you know, let's say the original contract amount, net, net amount of change orders, the new contract amount, uh, less retainage, less previously billed, and then your new, uh, payment amount. Back at the beginning here, I was talking about the G702 and G703 and the G702 being the pay application and the fact that it's a pay application and not an invoice. So it's an application for payment, right? So that means it could be changed or even, de even um, uh, declined or denied. Uh, so the, the whole design of that pay application is to uh, show that what your total contract amount is, plus any change orders, uh, positive or negative, adds or deducts, I should say, uh, and then less than show the retainage amount, let's say it's 10%, and then the uh, billable amount, because you can't bill retainage until the end of the project. So it takes it out at the very beginning there. And so you then have less your retainage, less previous pay applications, and then your new total. So as a quick thought exercise, let's say you have a $100 uh, 
uh, project, uh, contract amount. You get a $20 change order that makes your new contract amount 120 bucks. Less retainage of $12 uh, would leave you at 108 bucks if that's correct math. Um, so now you have $108 and say you've billed 50 bucks before, that leaves you with $58 uh, to available to bill against. And um, so that's how that math works. Supporting that and right with it is the G703. The G703 is a schedule of values and it's just that. It's a, it's a, a schedule of the, the value of each item on the project. So, so you have carpet, ceramic, and sheet vinyl. So you'd have carpet materials, carpet labor, ceramic materials, ceramic labor, resilient materials, resilient labor. And then as you buy your materials and you store them in a um, uh, acceptable spot, you know, an acceptable warehouse that's bonded and insured or um, at least insured with those materials listed on your um, insurance as uh, insured in your building, you can bill for what's called stored materials. So you could bill, say, for example, very often in commercial, we buy all of our materials for a project and then we bill for all of them as they come in. So your schedule of values would bill 100% um, for your carpet materials, 100% for your ceramic materials. And maybe you don't have your resilient materials yet, so you don't bill for it. Or if you have half of them, you bill for half of them, you know, 50%. And then your next pay app, typically, is just kind of a standard flow. You'd be billing for the rest of your resilient materials. Right now you're hundred percent, but you have all your labor line items that are left to be billed. And so as you complete through the project, maybe month that second month that you're able to bill, because in commercial world, you can typically only bill once a month on a given date. And that's typically in the contract. Go back to the other podcasts on contracts and uh, review that. But at the end of the day, the goal for the G703 is so when you bill your client, your general contractor, they can then bill their, uh, the owner and show your schedule of value, showing the owner what materials they're paying for. Um, often you will be asked for uh, either invoices or some proof that you have the materials um, on site in a stored, bonded, or insured warehouse. Um, so the idea here is that you can progress bill for some of your materials or all of your materials and then bill your labor as you go. So if a job's um, phased out over the next six months or it's going to take six months to do the project, you can bill each month and, you know, keep the cash flow coming on the following month as your, as your payments come in. So let me see, what else do I want to say about the G7... Oh, three. Yeah. Yeah. Clarity on, on billing uh, and exactly what you're billing. So a quick story of a company I started when I was 22, a flooring company with a partner. Uh, he was doing the office work and I was doing running the field and managing all the installation. Uh, we had gotten behind with our, our customers from a payment aspect they hadn't paid us in a long time. 
we're owed a lot of money. Um, obviously, banks and vendors were barking down our necks. And, and uh, ultimately, me and our accountant went in and started reviewing and found out he was just sending invoices. Well, with an invoice, they're not going to pay you. Um, they need the G702 and the G703, and that's an AIA, the American Institute of Architects form. Hello, Daniel. Hey. You're back. Third time. Well, maybe third time's a charm. I don't know. I uh, it keeps it keeps crashing. So if it does again, we'll we'll just have to postpone. Uh, we may push uh, this this subject to next week and reshoot this. I don't really know 100% to be honest with you how how well she's going to be able to patch this all together with three different showings. But I just, um, as I was waiting on you, uh, you guys, uh, wasn't sure if he was going to be able to join again, but I went ahead and went through kind of the overall uh, G702 and G703 and was kind of going through a story of the first company, first flooring company I started, and the fact that my partner at the time had built a bunch of work, but it was just invoiced, not on pay applications. And once I brought our accountant in and I kind of took over, I started calling all the clients and asking them, you know, Where's why? Money? Hey, you know, I show that you owe us this amount of money and it's 60 days past due. And they're like, We've never received a payout from you. And then I come to find out he was just sending uh, invoices. So the, the, the point here is they're not going to, you know, regular commercial construction where you're dealing with the general contractor, they're just not going to pay you without a pay application. Uh, it's designed to keep track of where the flow of the project is and what has been billed for and what has been paid and what has not. So I've, I've talked to some architects that say that they look at pay applications because they actually go to the job site. And they're like, there's no way this is 80% done. Yeah. It's all based on percent of completion. And uh, so I was kind of giving an example um, for your schedule of values. It's all on percentages. So let's say you bill a uh, project you got a contract that's a hundred bucks. I kind of went through a, a similar scenario, but say you're, you got a hundred dollar uh, contract and you bill for 20 bucks on your second payout. So you, you're billing $20 on your second payout and you've already billed for 50 on your first payout. So in essence, you're going to bill for 70% of the contract amount. You billed for 50 already. You may have already been paid for that, but it always works off of totals and works back. So if you're, you billed for 50 the first time, you're billing for 20 this time, that's 70% complete of the contract amount. And that's, that's what it's going to show on your schedule of values is percent of complete. Um, like you just said, it's an easy way for architects and general contractors kind of walk a job and say, I'm being billed for 80% complete on my carpet labor line item, but they're not even halfway done. So it's right. an easy way for them to find out quickly or compare quickly 
your pay application versus reality. Um, one other note, and this kind of goes back to the uh, contracts, but most of the time you can bill, you can project through the end of the month. So if your pay app is due on the 20th, you can project through the end of the month, both materials and labor that you believe you're going to have in your insured warehouse uh, or installed, and you can bill for that amount. So um, that's just, uh, I would caution to be particularly careful and make sure that you are as accurate as possible. Um, a lot of, we've had plenty of projects, they wanna to come to our warehouse and see the materials or they wanna walk the job after we build and make sure that we've, we're not over billing. Um, obviously contractors in all regards, like I don't wanna pay my sub for work that's not complete. They don't wanna pay us for work that's not complete. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, I'll kick it over to you, Daniel. Do you what's do you have any in, other information insights about the complexities? I I kind of lined it out, but yeah, I when we when we first started doing it, like it's all brand new to me. So uh, the one thing that I did was call the accounting department to where I'm billing, and it's like, how do you guys want this filled out? And uh, some of the projects were, you know really small they were just one day projects and they're like just put everything on one line item it's fine but then you get into the more complex stuff when they're like i want it broken out everything broken out by single line item stuff like so it's it's real particular in who you're working with yeah i've had them where they actually send a example of the schedule of values and want even like freight and stuff broken out, which has always been silly. I've, I've only yep. had that once or twice, but for the most part, it's like, if you have four different products, if you have carpet, resilient, you know, ceramic tile and, and epoxy on a job, they're gonna wanna know ceramic- Great on every material. single one. Yep, ceramic materials, ceramic labor, carpet materials, carpet labor. Resilient materials, resilient labor. And uh, sometimes they can even get more picky than that, but it those are more particular projects, I think, that I've found where uh, maybe a school board's trying to review it and they want it really micro. Like I've had to break out transitions and stuff. And most of the time the transitions, we just lump in with, if it's rubber transitions, it's going in the resilient. If it's tile transition that's going in the tile and don't have to worry about it but uh we have had them like where's your transition materials and labor like, all right i'll break it break it and out you got to go redo it yeah yeah that i just made it a habit since we we're not dealing with like huge projects that take a ridiculous amount of time so i'll i'll break everything out but I know once you get into these projects that can last over a couple of years, those line items start adding up quick. Yeah, and change orders and all that go on these. Uh, so, you know, just remember whatever's on, whatever you're going to bill for has to be represented on both forms, both on your G703, and then it ties out with your G702. So the total should be matching um, 
Another note is your G702 or your payment application has to be notarized. So if you don't have a notary, uh, you should probably plan on going to your bank every time you bill. That's another thing. We have three notaries in our office, so we don't have to deal with that anymore. But I remember going to uh, Dillon's, which is a Kroger grocery store, uh, three or four times a month getting pay applications uh, notarized. And this is back in the early 2000s, but uh, yeah. You know, you got to have each one has to be notarized as well. So it used to be easier because uh, we still go to the bank, but I used to be able to just walk in and be like, hey, can I get this notarized real quick? And I was like, since COVID, nope, got to make an appointment. Wow, really? Yep. Um, one of us is going to have to become a notary. Yeah. And a spouse. Like they don't like your spouse. My wife works for us. She she's a notary. So when when she notarizes, if she's the only notary, then our COO has to sign the pay app because she can't notarize for me. Oh. So um well I I will admit I've lost some steam with our crashing and back and crashing back, <laughs> but from a I feel like I've covered the basics of what a G702 and G703 is and why they're used. Um, and, and well, you know, the purpose behind it, because I know I was, when I first started doing them, I was like, why can't I just send them an invoice? Well, because what percentage, everything has to do with percentages in construction accounting. What percentage complete are you? And the forms, the G702 and 03, show that very clearly versus, say, an invoice that may or may not even show the total contract amount, depending on how you have it set up in your, you know, at the time we, we used QuickBooks uh, or Peachtree, one of them, we, we used both of them at one point. But, you know, it makes it easier for everybody to know what's being billed for and, and uh, the percent complete. And that goes right into your work in progress, which is a piece of your, the whip as it's called in accounting. And um, that's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down and uh, would probably take a whole hour, but uh, for simplicity's sake, a whip says of all your projects, how much complete, how much of the cost have you incurred? And so if you have a $100 job and you had $50 in cost budgeted or figured as the project, but you only ended up spending half of that, well, you, you have to do a budget adjustment to make it right. Otherwise, it thinks the whip is going to say you're only, you know, 30% complete. <laughs> not not the because it's all based on your cost uh, let me see if I can explain that easier if you if you build a hundred bucks on that hundred dollar contract the the construction accounting is only going to let you recognize if you've only um, incurred 50 percent of your cost it's going to only allow you to recognize 50 percent of your profit so if you in in 
indeed save that money, then you do a budget adjustment and it's back to, okay, I spent all $35. It went for $50 of expected expense, $35. So then you can break it. Then it breaks even. You, you, you spent all 35 bucks. Now you can recognize all of your profit. But um, it's a way to keep your accounting accurate from overbuild or underbuild scenarios. It works the other way too. If you've incurred 50% of your cost, but you're only billing for, you know, a lower level of that, say 30% or something, well, you're underbilled and it'll let you know that. But all this plays together. The point is in construction, accounting, everything is tied together. Um, and these two most important uh, documents, again, the G702 pay application and your G703 schedule of values, those are the most important. You got to get them right. They got to be accurate. That's how you get paid. Um, so we have separate people that do that, like that are really good at making sure that they're accurate. Yeah, it takes some work to get used to filling those out, especially because we still use QuickBooks. So we're, we have to do the, the pay app and then also <laughs> enter everything into QuickBooks. So, yeah. yeah, when you get, uh, and you can do that, we did that for a long time and got, I mean, all the way probably up to $6 million or so before we got a accounting system that spits out the G702 and 03 for us. Uh, but if you're filling them out offline or if you're still working in QuickBooks or you're doing some other uh, non, I'd say project costing, you know, real, real good system, uh, accounting system for project costs, uh, then you do it offline. You fill out G702 and 03. And then if you did it the way I did it, you'd always do that first. I'd get it accepted. Then I'd enter it in my accounting system. Otherwise, I was going back in and correcting all of it. Right. Jeez. Yeah. All right. Well, what else we got on pay apps? Uh, sworn statements. Lean releases, uh, lean waivers, and uh, go jump in on sworn statements. They just want to know everyone that all of your vendors pretty much and how much you owe them and are they paid <laughs> and if not how much you still owe them so yes I, I think that probably happens different different areas uh ours is mainly they want lien waivers and we'll get into that next week when we're talking about how to get paid um but lien waivers as a lot of the pay applications want them with it or the sworn statements that preferred flooring is paid uh, up through, you know, July 31st, 2023. And if your pay app is for that pay period, then you should get through. Uh, a lot of our GCs want the vendors to list their projects specifically, which is where side marks and all that kind of stuff comes in when you're in uh, your your orders with your vendors but um, yeah it's it's a pain to get to get you got to get these things right and having that sworn statement or a, a, a waiver of uh, lien yes uh, 
we've only had one project where they wanted waivers from every single vendor. Um, and typically the sworn statement is just, I fill it out and they just accept it because the sworn statement has to be notarized too. So if I'm lying, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's legally on me. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those are a lot nicer than getting lien waivers because then you're at someone else's like mercy to get you the lien waiver. We've had them yeah. take a month because someone's sick and, and especially over COVID, it was a nightmare to get lien waivers. People were working from home and not working and, oh, I can't, you know, we, someone would say at, a, at our vendor, I can't do anything about it. Only this person can, can sign lane waivers. I'm like, well, you better call them up and get them out of bed. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I've got to get paid and it's all, you guys want me to pay you, but these lane waivers are a big piece of that. So I need you to get those back to me as fast as and efficiently as possible but it's always a fight it's just it's tough because you know distributors used to and manufacturers didn't used to have to do that back in you know 20 years ago lien waivers from vendors was not a thing even when i first got into business never had to do it it was just a matter of show me proof you got my materials basically and um i think vendors started filing liens when companies were uh, honest and then GCs and architects were like, well, we got to cover that risk. And that's where lien waivers from every vendor comes in. Yeah, I don't, it was a, a nightmare to get some of these vendors to actually do it too. I'm yeah. taking notes right now, guys, because honestly, this is, this is Daniel's, uh, uh, category for, for us right like i got bits yeah. and pieces here but yeah it's um well hug your brother afterwards because it can be a real pain in the ass to get it i hear about it all the time and i hear and about then, it all the time. and then getting it paid is a whole nother thing but the first step is getting these these documents in accurately along with your sworn statements or your um or your waivers of lien from from your vendors. It's almost like, cause when contractors um, are after your, they accept your pay application and then they they send send us an email cause a lot of stuff is electronic payments, right? And it's like, this is gonna post to your account. Here's the lien waiver. We'll send the money when we get this back. And it's like, it's almost like we should start doing that to almost every payment for a vendor. It's like, Here's your money. Send me a lien waiver. That's a, not a bad idea. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. It's just like, like Jorge says right here. It seems like a ton of paperwork. It is, it but is. It's, it is a ton of paperwork. That's a good idea, Daniel. I wonder if we could start just saying, here's a check. Here's the lien waivers that for projects attached to this check. Please sign them. And we'll release a check. Bam. That's not a bad idea. Get them up front and then file them. And then when we need them, we already have them. Right. That, but then they'll, they'll be way quicker to be to get you something signed than if they already had the money. Yeah, that's most of it, right? They already have your money for that job. And then 
it, it happens one of two ways. You send your lien waivers in with your pay applications. And uh, also a side note, they have a form in most, uh, it's a separate form for a lot of the general contractors that have a list of your subs and suppliers and you list the dollar figure on there and what's remaining to pay to each one of them as well. And a lot of times you got to have lien waivers from your subs, which is why Go Carrera has that as an automatic, you know, get a lien release on every single payment. So you have them. Uh, the That form is typically uh, not with your payout, but it's when you get a check or they got a check ready for you and they're like, hey, we need this filled out and signed. So... Yeah, there's there, and each GC may have different insights as what well, or different rules. Just remember this: it's all about risk mitigation. That's what construction is all about. How can and a lot of our like conversations on this podcast has been around the troubles that that causes when you're just like, how can I mitigate or minimize? the amount of risk that my company takes on. I know we're, we said we're going to talk about lien waivers later, but Dwayne says as an installer, we get asked to fill out lien waivers before we get paid. Does that put us at risk of not being legally covered? And I think that's where you got to put in, there's numerous types of lien waivers. There's conditional and unconditional, right? So conditional is what you sign before you get paid. It's I waive my rights to lien when I get this payment. Yeah. Unconditional is boom, I already got paid. I waive my lien. Yeah. Yeah, there's different types of lien waivers. A lot of the uh a lot of the ones that companies will have you sign. Um you just if you're working with the GC, you really need to make sure you're signing the right one. Um we have Plenty of times had them want us to sign an unconditional and we refuse until we have a check. Like I'll come to your office and sign it and you hand me a check, but I'm not signing it and sending it back right. to you getting a check. And there there was a, when we were subcontracting for, for a company, they, they signed, sent us an unconditional <laughs> and they're like, here, sign this and get us, get this back to us and we'll get you a check. And we weren't done with the project yet. And it was a full unconditional. And I'm like, I'm not signing this. Yeah. And like, she was really upset with me. And I said, you can be upset all you want. I said, but I'm not signing this. I said, I'll send you a partial conditional. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Yeah, that's another uh, term that is used is partial lien waiver. So you can have conditional, partial, full. unconditional, final, there's a lot of different types. They some of them mean the same thing with different verbiage, but essentially you're gonna have to sign something each time you get a check, um, and obviously it's gonna be either a partial or a uh, conditional lien waiver, uh, unless you are done with the job and 100. percent Yeah, there it's. This isn't meant to scare people away. I just know what I went through was. HE double hockey sticks when I first started trying to figure this stuff out. And I just wanted to provide, you know, we all wanted to provide a resource on which you can kind of plug into an episode 
watch a little bit of something and learn enough that you at least know what you're getting into. This isn't as easy as just printing off a, a invoice or, you know, writing an invoice out on a piece of paper in most regards. Some really small general contractors, they may let you do that kind of stuff on really small, you know, tenant finish kind of thing or something. But any of your major commercial jobs, you're going to have to go through this process. So be prepared. Make sure you have, you know, somebody that understands accounting helping you do this. Uh, I would have never figured it out on my own. Uh, I've done it for years and, and understand it really well now but when I first started I had to have an accountant come in and like how do I fill these out and I didn't have the balls to be honest with you to just call my client and say I have no idea how to figure fill these out you know and and either I, did I at first right except for there was a point where I'm just we were I think we were in a meeting at the chamber and one of the um it might've been one of the minority meetings where they're trying to get those, us smaller businesses, you know, in there. And they're like, anytime you have any questions, that's what our, our billing department is for. Like you may think that it's a dumb question, but that's what they're there for. It's like, they're there to make sure everything is filled out because we don't want to hold your money. Yeah. We I give you your money. I wish that was rang true, to be honest with you. I, I see the various crap that holds up payments, but I, I think in general, most people do, but you know, there's got to be careful who you work for. Um, but here's this, getting yeah. this right is paramount to getting paid on time or getting paid as close to on time as possible. You don't want to be the guy holding up pay apps. I'll tell you that. They'll just go on without you. If you miss that pay app, you got to wait a whole another month to even turn your bill in. I've been through that. Right. And, and Dwayne asks if they, where they say it and stuff. So I'm just going to print one out real quick and put it on the screen. So that way he can see what, what our waiver looks like. Okay. <clears throat> All I keep hearing is the the high line. I'm worried about sticking myself up so I can see the helmets. I'm worried about guys slagging. So I'm gonna cover the job, <laughs> but you can see right at the top partial conditional because we did not receive the check yet, and yeah. then goes through and so as long as you we make it very clear that like right at the top this is partial partial conditional full conditional you know essentially you're releasing lien on that dollar figure of payment yeah so if they don't pay you the next time you can only lien what they did not pay you not the full contract right that's the idea behind partials and conditionals so essentially it's all again about risk management and tracking where the money's at, who's been paid what, how they've been paid, all the information uh, is. And, you know, frankly, G702 and 03 are really good forms for that, but they are, they, they're not, once you're used to them, I don't see them as complex, but you, it does take a minute to get used to them because you're always working from a total. 
Like if you have a hundred thousand dollar job and you build four times on that, it feels weird to put total completed and stored to date when all I want to build is another 10 grand, but I got to put a hundred, you know, on a hundred thousand dollar job, maybe I'm $80,000, then 8,000 of that's retainage. Then I've built, you know, 70,000 previously, leaving me my $10,000 as this period payment. So it's working, it's always working off the total with percentages. So it, it can be confusing, but once you get used to it, it's not, it's not really that complicated. It's like uh right. it's like balancing a physical checkbook, the dollars and cents, and then the percentage of the project being done. It's like just try to break it down to, into dummy terms for people like me. Um, and I almost wonder, like, uh, so like if I purchase a house, why 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 can we use these other these programs like DocuSign, but they don't have anything like that instead of getting a notary? Um, like, what is the why can't it be utilized? Do they have something that can be utilized like that? It's all red tape more than anything. I mean, there are plenty of uh, companies that use DocuSign for their lien releases. Um, I wouldn't say a lot, at least from in our area, but some do, but never on the big government work or really like bigger commercial work. It stays in that older kind of methods they want it signed, they want it notarized and the paperwork, you know, they there's some that you have to have wet ink. You cannot email it. Like there's stuff like that. Yeah. That, yeah. I remember that. that you call some, well, and then others still with notaries. Ink. Still with notaries, it's like if if they don't have the stamp and everything. Yeah. Nope. So, yeah, so I don't want to scare everybody away, but I did want like, everybody to understand what you'd be getting into. And I know we, we didn't go through and show what they actually look like, but this That's is 702. So it, it has like the total on there, and then the change orders all the way down, and then the schedule of values 703. And this was one of one of the ones that wanted every single line item in there. Yeah, you do. Trying to block the light. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, but that's I, as you can see, like right there, that's the percentage lines. Yeah. So they they want to know percentage on every single line item. Yeah, that's a very good example. Thanks for showing that because it's it's a matter of, uh, again, not to beat a dead horse here, but it's their way of risk management. And um, the fact is, is if they don't know how much they built, you built them for previously and the retainage piece, all that mixed in. Uh, but if they don't know what you built for previously and they got to go dig it up on another document, what they're trying to do is streamline it. And the, you know, I gotta say again, G702 and 03, both are pretty streamlined and they work together. So if you've got an accounting system that'll spit them out, kudos, cause it does make life a lot easier. Our billing department just says, what percentage of they'll send us their schedule of values and ask each PM to put the percentage of complete on each line item and then they they just build that amount and it spits out the G702 and 03 
automatically. That's structure, that's the system we use, but there's plenty of others that do the same thing. So how do you guys gauge your percentage of how do you guys that? gauge your percentage of project complete? Is it material you use or do you guys have a user takeoff program to, to be exact? It's a general yeah, question, we, you know that we we'll bill, you know, however much material we got in. And it's, you know, if we have fifty thousand foot of LVT and we only got twenty-five, we're gonna bill fifty percent on the material line item. Um, you know, typically the kind of um, schedule for this kind of thing is, you know, if you got a larger project, you're probably going to be billing for your early materials first, you know, your ceramic material might be your first billing only. Then your second billing may have a mix of ceramic labor and your resilient materials finally came in. So maybe you bill 100% on your materials uh, for ceramic and then you know, 100% on resilient, but only 10% of your ceramic labor. And then the next month it comes in and you do the same thing, but it's maybe you got the rest of your materials and now you're billing 100% on all materials and, you know, 75% on your ceramic labor and 20% on your resilient. That's the only way you can stay and get progress payments and keep track of what's been paid and where. It gets really confusing, and even on a spreadsheet, if you just do that. So I understand the need for yep. a system like this, but you just explained it really well on why the system is needed, because there's no guesswork at the end. Is, is really what it is. You're tracking everything progressively, and small well, ideally, probably easier, but large ones. Woo. Yeah, ideally, you want to bill them, and they understand what you're billing, and they process your payment, but or process your pay application. But there's plenty of times when, you know, they're like, we've had a few times where they're like, well, you're billing us 100% on your materials and uh, you don't have any installed. So we're not going to, that's just materials. Some, you know, like some GCs want us to put our only build in for materials as they're put in place in different parts of the nation. That's a requirement where it's in place materials and not stored materials. So you can't even bill for all your materials until you put them in place. That's I crazy. Work, I won't do work in those areas because what happens if someone steals it? You'll go broke, dude. Like on a big job, you imagine that that's why it's real nice uh to not be on those super huge projects like that. So we're we're still um to the size where it's a normal project for us is you know hundred thousand dollars ish and you think man that's a that's a huge project but really that's only like three weeks of work if that like yeah still a good size project uh but you know done right you can do it in one pay period right that, that's what i mean like yeah. it's either one or two two of them and that's it it's not like these huge jobs where it's like every single month for two years, you're just trying to nibble away at it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've got a bunch, uh, you know, I've got a mix of jobs, but we got several of those where hospitals or big schools, yes. they're building it and they're turning over, you know, the clinic of the hospital first. And so you got to get that done. Mm -hmm. But then, then the OR, then whatever or the emergency department, they're building it in these phases and building it out. 
I think the most payouts I've had is 13 or 14 months. Um, maybe I should say 13 or 14 payouts, but there's months we didn't bill anything. So, it, you know, span across several couple, two or three years, we've had jobs and they're a pain. And if you try to go back to one that you build and the last time you build it, because, you know, you finished the first area and the other area is not ready for you for another three months and you go back, those, those forms really help you kind of stay. We, we do have one that's like that right now. And it's a hospital. Cause the other day he was like, did you build for this? And I'm like, but we can't close everything out yet <laughs> yeah, I'm trying because to... we still got another phase that they keep on pushing back. And it's been over a year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just one of those things, like, I really just want to get that off of my board. Like it's been hovering there, but. I know. And it's like, with the material, they were, they were like, oh yeah, there's nowhere to store it on site. Or um, it was, I don't want to store it on site because there's like four or five different construction companies in there and they just start taking whatever is in the storage. So I'm like, I got to put it somewhere. They're like, you know what? We have an offsite storage. Just bring it over there. Cause I'm not whole, I don't want to hold on to this for two years until you guys decide it's ready to go. Yeah. We, we have uh, some projects that will, you know, the storage of material is a big thing. Make sure your warehouse is either insured for those materials. And a lot of times they make you list it on your, like their project specific in the amount that of the, the value of their materials. Um, again, risk management. They want to know if your building burns down that their materials are covered in that right. catastrophe. So, all right. Well, I think we beat these two forms up and the subsequent yeah. forms that come across. And sorry for everybody that we had some technical difficulties. I should I shouldn't say we. Uh, Zoom kept just crashing. Uh, we finally got it up and going. So we'll paste this together as best we can. Give you the best episode we can on the Go Career YouTube channel. Otherwise, uh, you may get to watch some bloopers on <laughs> other other areas. So. Uh, I, I started doing something else right away and they got the text. We're trying it again. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> we figured I'd give it a third shot. And if it didn't work, then we'd reshoot. But um, hopefully everybody got some some good insight on just what what these forms are, why they're required, and don't try to fight the system. I also did that as a jerk and I was like, you guys owe me money and you know it. Just pay the invoice. Well. And they're like, look at look at the contract. It says that you're supposed yeah. to work on these forms. That's very yeah. clearly, Mr. Stewart, exactly what you're supposed to do. <laughs> when you don't understand so, something, it is frustrating when you just don't understand it because it's real easy. Like, you owe me. It says here you owe me. What are these for? Yeah. You can't deny you have carpet in the building that did not have carpet before. It didn't <laughs> magically happen. Just pay me. <laughs> but so don't try to buck the system. Just Follow the rules. Uh, as always, if you if anybody has questions about how to look at a G702 or 03, reach out to one of the three of us. We're happy to, you know, um, help walk you through it. Um, any of the if anyone email, needs it, email I actually I actually have it in a Excel form. So yeah, so if you need one, 
hit Daniel up because he's got an Excel, which makes uh, both forms much easier when they automatically calculate for you and you're not sitting there writing it down doing the math. So, no, and then when I, think I first got the Excel version, it was about five or eight years after we started. <laughs> and what that was a big upgrade right there. I, I actually wrote it myself because I couldn't find one and I didn't want to pay for one. So let's let's yeah, just say that just I didn't want to pay for one. You can buy them, but we, our family has a really big problem with that. Like, he figures stuff out on the technology side that he doesn't want to pay for. And I just try to figure it out with my hands and tools and I don't want to pay for that. So I'm just going to learn how to fix it. I'm going to learn how to build it. Well, you get there in the end. So reach out to Daniel if you uh, would like to uh, get an Excel version. Um, and then just reach out if you have any questions. With that, gentlemen, we'll break this huddle and we'll see you next week. Sounds good. Take Bye, guys. Thank you.